Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn mover later on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and this show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Mint Mobile. And it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Got a full house here today. Sitting right over here is Robert Meyer Burnett. Yeah. Back there over there is Ray Aura. Yeah. Sit beside Ray is, of course, Taylor Gonzalez yeah. and running the show, Jonathan Boyko. Mm-mm. And, of course, the ever-delightful Chris Carr is here. Yeah! have you guys here. Most importantly, you're here, guys. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. First part of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. And the second part of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you guys are watching, you'd like to get a live comment or question on the show. Simply wait till near the end of the main topics and we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. And when we do, that will be your time to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. And we will address those in the second half of the show. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping. I want to remind you guys, if you'd like an audio-only version of the John Campion Show, there is a podcast. It's simply called the John Campion Show Podcast. Go and find it on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, guys, bunch of stuff to cover here today. So let's actually dive right into it with a couple of off the tops. And our first one is this. Netflix did uh, an earnings call yesterday, put out their report. And whereas Netflix has had some struggles, I, I what, what did they lose? $20 billion? Something like something that. Like that something with a billion behind it. If there was something with the B, the double digits with BN, the B after not that. good. Hey, uh, some good news. Uh, they reported, Netflix has now come out and reported that they have added in the last quarter 7.7 million new customers as the co-founder and CEO, uh, the co-founder and CEO uh, Reed Hastings, is stepping down. Uh, just as a side note on that, Reed Hastings is staying on, I believe, as the chairman of the board. Uh, so he'll still kind of be the top-ranking person in the company, I suppose. But the, the day-to-day operations, which is run by the CEO, uh, will now be passed on to the dude who was the head of programming. Um, forgetting his name. It's right off the top of my head, but I can't remember it right now. Anyway, that's not the important part. They added 7.7 million. Let's bring up that webpage, Jonathan. They added 7.7 million new customers um, to it. And, and that's obviously good news. So the question becomes, where did the 7.7 million customers from. come from? Uh, there really are two main factors in it. And, and by the way, the number of growth in the U.S. was actually quite small. Uh, and they actually, I believe they lost their operating money as they've lost money in their U.S. operations. Overall, worldwide, they'd added 7.7 million, though. Where they come from? Well, they're saying there's two primary spots that these have come from. One, the ad-based tier. They, they opened up, of course, and started offering a ad-based tier that has commercials that cost half the price of their mainline regular streaming options. So that clearly has appealed. Now, we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that their ad tier did not go as well as they were hoping. It didn't have the launch that they hoped, but it still added numbers. And they believe in it long term. Maybe it had a little bit of a sluggish start, but they believe in it long term. And that definitely added some numbers. I think the second thing you have to look at as far as that is, they added the add a house feature where for, and they are counting that as new subscribers. Mm-hmm. If we're for $2.99, you can add another house. And of course, the reports, and we know that it's coming, I think it's getting enacted in the next 60 days, 
the the password sharing is coming to an end because they're going to start charging you <laughs> for that. Not right. criminally charge you, like monetarily charge that's you. That's coming. Uh, that's coming. So people like our own Chris Carr have preemptively been kicking people off of yep. our service. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> um, and so people are having to add their more things. And, and collectively, it's 7.7. Now, I had somebody on Twitter write to me and say, you know, we, we had such a spike in the streaming subscriptions. Netflix, like, why has it settled down so much? And like, why is it that they needed half price ad tier supported things and kicking people off shared things to add new numbers. Well, I, I, that's not a Netflix problem. That's a, we're not really living in the heart of the pandemic anymore issue. Yeah. You got to remember when the big spikes happened in the streaming stuff, it was all a result. It was mostly a result of the fact that everybody had to be home all the time. And so after a while, you run out of lotion and you got to do something with your time and you go ahead and you watch. I really Netflix. was hoping that's not where he Wait, was what? going with that. No, nothing. <laughs> what happens is you're looking for something to watch on TV and we saw streaming things just completely spike. And the reality is you could not expect. Are you okay, Rob? <laughs> you could not expect that those numbers <laughs> were Rob going to stay. <laughs> you could not expect those numbers to sustain once we started coming out of the pandemic. Again, it's not a Netflix problem. It's not anything Netflix has done wrong. It's right. just part of the reality. And so now they're in this phase where they got to try to get more numbers and these are the things that they're doing. And I, to at least right now, it appears that it is working. Rob, you saw these things, the numbers. What's standing out to you here? Well, the, they had to do this. I mean, uh, look, the streaming wars are brutal. And, and subscribers, subscriptions are everything. Revenue. Netflix has one business model to make money based on subscriptions and to make content to get people to subscribe. That's it. They don't have like Amazon has Amazon Prime. When you sign up for shipping to buy products, you get their streaming service. Apple is selling phones and tablets and computers. They have their production entity, but it's really to support their products that you watch this stuff on. Netflix, that's it. That's all they have. And they need they need those dollars. And if they're hemorrhaging money or hemorrhaging income, which they were through sharing of, of passwords or multiple houses, whatever, this makes sense to me, and I'm surprised it took them this long to do it. And look, I think it's great that it's working out. Their, their ad tier is meant to curtail costs. People can still get Netflix, watch their programming, pay less. So it's a win-win for consumers who don't care about commercials or ads, and it's a win for, for Netflix because they now have 7 million people that are buying into their service, making more money for the company which they're talking about making billions off of this over the course of a year, which means that they are going to be able to make more, hopefully, great programming. So we win, too. Chris, as one of the many digital landlords who've been evicting people out of your online Netflix house. <laughs> oh, um, I sound like such a dick. <laughs> oh, man. I, I am curious. Do you know of any of the people you've kicked out that have gone and said, well, I better get my own and have gone and got their own yet? Or, or what is standing out to you about no, these My brother added here? himself to our parents one, so we'll see how long that <laughs> Um, but some of my, my friends, though, too, have tried to now do a barter system where they've been like, wait, 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 what if you do the household thing with me and I'll give you my stars or I'll give you this 
I'm like, I, I have these. I don't need you. But thank you so much. Um, I, I will say, though, I know people in the chat here, um, Thaddeus and some other people are saying that they recently did join because of the ad tier. Because right? it does make it more affordable. But I think we also have to consider, too, we had a big uptick in subscribers at the holidays. So Lindsay Lohan save netflix you're welcome guys. <laughs> you heard it here, she folks. did it all with falling in love or whatever that movie's called um but i'm wondering if some of these subscribers are going to peter off now that they're not home maybe they're back at work maybe they're not trying to just put the kids in front of the tv and do something with them and have some holiday fare so i think that's something to consider as well just because that whole like 231 million worldwide streaming number came right fresh after the holidays i think what netflix really wants to know is ray Oh, no. What will it take for you <laughs> oh, no. to subscribe to Netflix? Uh, my rule is they'll eventually show everything on TV. I'll just wait. <laughs> <laughs> and you heard it here. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? It, it is desperately needed good news for Netflix. Adding 7.7 yeah. million subscribers. Again, they're, I don't know if they're like pure original, brand new subscriber, but the thing is it's heading in the right direction. And I think the ad tier is going to pay off for them long-term. What stands out to you about this? What's your perspective? Whatever it is, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. That down, let's move on to our second off the top here, shall we? And our second off the top is this. Well, as Netflix is getting good news, Regal's getting bad news. Well... To be more specific, they got bad news a long time ago, and now we're just seeing some of the ramifications of that bad news. Of course, we reported a while ago that uh, Cinema Cineworld, yes, yeah, Cineworld, Cinnamon World, Cinnamon World. That's a delicious place to be. Yes, uh, they have lots of lotion. Cineworld uh, in the Europe, of course, who owns a whole slew. Cinnamon World. <laughs> Soul Slew. It's pretty coarse, though. Movie theaters and Sorry. movie theater chains, including Regal Cinemas. Uh, of course, had to file bankruptcy as a result, of course, of the pandemic. All the movie theaters went through a really hard time, except for AMC. That got lucky because they got meme stocked. But uh, it's now come out that Regal is shutting the doors on 39 of their U.S. locations in theaters. Rob? In, well, including they they recently acquired the Arclight at Sherman, Sherman Oaks Galleria, and that's closing. Yep, sure. The Sherman Oaks one is one of the ones that have been shut down. That was one of the Arclight's most profitable theaters. How did Regal mess that up? Uh, I, you know, it's it's probably a matter of cost. Uh, yeah, they're talking about the lease in there. Yeah, like but the still. leases. So what they're saying here is Cinema Cinema World Operas. This is coming from Variety, who's saying Cinema World operates 747 locations uh, across 10 different countries. They have decided to reject the leases. And so they're getting out of the leases on 39 locations that they estimate will save the company $22 million, uh, this year, uh, in those things. And then they go on to list the number, like all the theaters. And there's a number of them in California where we are, yeah. uh, Metro point and Costa Mesa, Berkeley seven and Berkeley, uh, Parkway Plaza Stadium 18, uh, Escondido, Escondido Stadium 16, uh, and of course, when you're talking about Sherman Oaks, maybe the most notable one, the Sherman Oaks Galleria, uh, Yorba Linda IMAX, close to where we are right now yeah. as well. And on, uh, you got ones in Colorado, Florida, uh, Illinois, Massachusetts, uh, Maryland. Uh, I, I don't know United States abbreviations of state, so I don't know what some of these Is are. Is Yorba Linda the... Is that the theater that's right off the 15 that I saw Avatar? Probably, yeah. If it's if it's not an AMC, it's probably that one. Yeah. That's a great theater. Well, 
Maybe you'd like to go get it. I heard it's available now. <laughs> if you want to oh, go, man, dude, sign it up. I mean, so look, and and this is this is what happens in bankruptcy, right? It, when you go into bankruptcy, you've got to shuffle the deck, you've got to move things around, you have to restructure and reorganize if you're going to come out of it. And part of it was, I guess, they just figured we have too many theaters. Some of these places, I'm sure, the rents were extremely high. So now they're out of them, and, and here we go. And hopefully this is going to lead to Cineworld being able to get out of bankruptcy and come back happier and healthier. But anyway, Rob, uh, what's your take on this? Everything I love in this town gets shut down. I mean, I went to my favorite bar. It wasn't not. It wasn't just closed. The building it was in was gone. Scoochies. I mean, this theater, if, it, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it is a gigantic venue. I mean, it is a beautiful. That IMAX theater was great. I mean, it's a real IMAX screen. And, I, I mean, personally... I think that the modern age is terrible. I can't stand <laughs> all these. No, uh, but, but look, I understand. All why. music after Frank Sinatra sucks. The chairman of the board. Um, no, I, I think this is disconcerting only because these venues, I understand they're very expensive and it makes sense that they have to get rid of these that leases. The one? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's because I'm good at my job. <laughs> that that's look at that that theater is huge and that's where i saw avatar to the way of water you can see the little imax sign there this is is a great venue it's, it's a great rock. venue and now it's just gonna close can we like take a crowdfunding campaign and make it the campia Movie theater? The you, what, what, yeah, but if I made you the programmer, it'd just be running reruns of Star Trek all the time. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> no, no, but I, I, I think. Look, I understand that that businesses have to, they, they have to do what they have to do, and coming out of bankruptcy, it's the responsible thing to do. But you know, when you are directly affected, I mean, it's not just one theater; it's it's the Sherman Oaks. It's it's. Yeah. This thing, I mean, it, it literally. It, 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 if if I was going to make a straight line into Hollywood, I would now be passing venues that are closing. You're close to the Sherman Oaks Theater. That's closing. I used to love that theater. That you talking great. about the ArcLight? I saw the event. Yeah, the, I saw the Avengers there. Oh, anyway, Chris, you hear about this? What stands out to you? I mean, I'm sorry, Rob, but it makes sense. I'm sorry the I things know. you love have to go bye bye. There's there's still bars. There's still redheads. The world is a lovely place. <laughs> but you know what? Movie theaters are more important than both of those things. Whoa! Whoa. Sorry. Sell some hot toys. Buy the theater. It'll be fun. <laughs> I don't uh, have that many. <laughs> One of the things though here though is, I mean, they lost $3 billion in yeah. 2020. Yeah. They were still operating at a loss afterwards. They own what? It's a, uh, it's 500 and something, 747 locations across the globe. I mean, that's a lot of different places to be keeping up operations on. And when you have that deficit and they were already operating at a loss in 2019, well, not a loss, but they at least had a 30% decrease in revenue. The writing's been on the wall for a while here that something had to give. And if we have to let some of these other theaters, which I know is unfortunate because sometimes in smaller towns, your local movie theater is the only place where you get exposed to new ideas, really cool media, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we got to make these cuts so the other theaters can survive at all. But if there is a, you know, a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, I think probably certain theaters, maybe like the Sherman Oaks ones, whatever, they're now ripe to be picked up again. And, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised with their meme stock surplus if AMC doesn't sweep in no, and, and try to even take a larger stranglehold on the Los Angeles area and stuff like that, and maybe in the other states as well. I mean, that theater that I'm talking about is literally 10 minutes from this door. Yeah. And what well, a not anymore. <laughs> There right, was, but not well, anymore. Well, thanks for giving people you. a uh, me. triangulation on where we're located. 
whatever you guys think, how are you feeling about it? Do you have one of these theaters that's listed there on that variety page, all the ones you have one that's close to you that's going to affect you? Are one of these your home movie theater that you go to? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get on to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline number anytime at 951-268-4259. Leave your message there and maybe you'll hear it on our show. And today, someone's calling in and asking about the comic book movies of 2023. Ooh. Hi, this is Hunter. I don't know if you guys done this or not, but I'll be interested in wondering your ranking for every 2023 comic book films coming out this year, including the Sony Marvel films, the MCU films, and the DC films. Thanks and have a great day. All right, thanks a lot for calling that in, man. And uh, yeah, I guess being January, it's time to look ahead. We have nine major, if, if my count is not incorrect, we have nine major comic book films coming out this year. And uh, let's take a quick look at when they're coming out and the order in which we would rank them. I'll, I'll kick things off here first as we go over to the classroom. I'm going to start things off here with, at number nine, uh, there's a nine, where's my actual uh, uh, number? My ninth film, which I cannot get to come up on the screen. There we go. At number nine, I'm going to say uh, Craven the Hunter. It, now, I should say this. Despite the fact that I have this in last place on my list, do not misunderstand. Um, I'm looking forward to all of these movies. Yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to every single one of these. But, you know, you've got uh, Kick-Ass in there. I actually think this is going to be good. I think this will be more Venom, which I loved, than it will be more Morbius, which I really loved. No, sorry, that's wrong. Instead of Morbius, which I did not like at all. Um so I think there's a lot of potential there, but when I look at all the movies coming out this year, it, it just does happen to be my least anticipated. All right, moving on now. At number eight, I'm really looking forward to Blue Beetle. Uh, I got very, very excited when they announced that they were going to be doing the movie in the first place, and then extra excited when I heard that they believed in the movie so much they're going to put it theatrical and I think it's time for a new character I think this is I mean I don't expect this to be a big box office hit hardly anybody in the general movie going on has ever heard of Blue Beetle or anything like that but still I think it's great that they're taking a kick at this and I like that they're doing that all right for me my number seven most anticipated comic book movie coming out 2023 Aquaman 2 with Jason Momoa. I really enjoyed the first Aquaman. That's coming out on December 25th. It's pretty far down on the list there, buddy. Well, I, like I said, I like all the ones that are coming. I, I like all of them. So it just I just happened. To, I'm looking forward to it. I just happen to be looking forward to these other ones more. So Aquaman 2 coming out on December 25th. All right. My number six most anticipated comic book movie this year. Coming out on February 17th, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um... The hype is building. Actually, there was a new image that came out of Empire today of uh, the Wasp costume, costume of Evangeline Lilly. Close up of her in the Wasp costume is looking really good. Uh, very excited about Ant-Man 3. It is my number six most anticipated film coming out this year. All right. Moving in now to the top five. My number five most anticipated film because I loved the first one so much. Coming out on March 17th, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Now, I will say, the reason I don't have this listed higher is because I don't think the marketing has been particularly good. 
I think the very first teaser trailer they put out was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. But ever since then, the trailers have just looked like generic superhero movies, right? That doesn't mean the movie isn't is going to be that way. The movie, I'm probably sure, is going to be fantastic. But uh, the trailers haven't been great. But I love the first movie. Love it. So it's number five on my list. At number four, coming out on July 28th, we've got the Marvels. I Listen, the, the Captain Marvel movie, um, while not top shelf, top tier MCU, I still put it firmly in that really good quality tier, like with the original Doctor Strange and like the original Ant-Man. I've got it in there. I quite liked it. And with the addition of Ms. Marvel, who I adored the Ms. Marvel show, like a lot. And so with the addition of her in there, the Marvels is my number four. All right, now we get into our top three. My number three most anticipated, and it moves around a little bit, but still in my top three, coming out on May 5th, I've got Guardians 3. Uh, again, just, I really enjoy the first two movies. The first mm -hmm. one more than the second one, but the holiday special, my God, the holiday special is so good, and it really makes me excited for it. All right, in my top two, might be surprising to people that I have it this high, but it's Andy Muschietti's The Flash coming on on June 16th. And a lot of that has to do with two major factors. One, Michael Keaton. Two, everything I have heard about this movie is that it's fantastic. Every report I have heard is that Andy Muschietti has made a fabulous film. And so I, I would be lying if I told you anything other than it is the number two most anticipated comic book movie of this year for me, which only leaves one. And I think most people probably could have guessed this was going to be my number one. But coming out on June 2nd, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The first one is... There hasn't been a better comic book movie that's come out since it. I, I think it's a top five greatest comic book movie of all time. Um, I was I thought it was one of the best films of the year it, in a year that Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War came out. I believe this was the best comic book movie of that year. Now, I'm just telling you that not to try to convince you, but just to give you an idea about why I am this excited for it. And when they showed us the first like 15 minutes of it at CinemaCon last year or back in April, even though half of it was unfinished animation, it was spectacular. And so, yeah, just highlighting once again from nine down to one. Number nine for me is Craven the Hunter. Number eight is Blue Beetle. Number seven is Aquaman coming out on Christmas. Number six is Ant-Man coming out on February 17th. Number five, Shazam! Fury of the Gods coming out soon in March. Number four, The Marvels. Number three, Guardians 3. Number two, The Flash. And number one for me is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So that is my list. Chris, mm -hmm. let's get over to your list. Okay. Uh, let's start with your number nine. What are your top nine most anticipated? Chris list. Chris list. list. My number nine is Craven, just because so far what I've heard, I love Andrew Taylor Johnson, but what I've heard about the story does seem very muddled, and I need more information on this one to get a bit more excited about Yeah, we haven't actually this. seen anything exactly. from it. It's hard to have it higher on the list. Yeah, I, if I had a little bit more proof of concept, if I had a little bit more about the plot, some images or something I could go through, that could excite me a bit more. But as of right now, meh. Um, number eight for me is Batman Flashpoint. Um, <laughs> the only thing getting me excited about this is Keaton. I'm pretty over this movie, frankly. Um, if you if you all didn't know that already, no, you went from not believing that it existed to being to over, being over it. it. Yeah, I mean, if it comes out, 
mazel. But my, half my relationship life's like that. <laughs> oh, no, Tom. But you know, um, maybe maybe I'll have a different opinion once I see it. If it comes out, I I hope that if it does make its theatrical debut, that I do enjoy it. Um, you know. But I'm just not really psyched about it. Number seven, Blue Beetle, because I just think this is a fun concept. I'm really excited to see this character come to screen. I'm excited for more people to understand who uh, Jaime Reyes is. I think it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, number six, Aquaman, because that first movie was so freaking fun. And I love Momoa and his golden retriever energy. Number <laughs> five, golden retriever yeah, energy. He's just bounding around. He's precious. Number five, the Marvels. Oh my gosh, Ms. Marvel was so great. I really love Captain Marvel. I'm really, really excited about that one as well. Number four for me is Guardians 3. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited but nervous. I think it's going to be emotionally troublesome for me. Oh, people <laughs> are going to die. Yeah. I yeah. just don't know who. I think people will too. Well, maybe not people. They'll be sad. Number three, Ant-Man Quantumania. I think that movie is going to be so cool, at least visually. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see new characters, too. Number two for me is Shazam. I love wow. that first one. And listen, y'all know in my household, I'm going to hear about Helen Mirren anyway. We're always talking about her regardless. It might as well be seeing a really dope movie that I have to hear about her. And number one, Spider-Man and Across the Spider-Verse. That footage we saw looks so cool. The first was incredible. I think the only other Spider-Man concept that I've enjoyed more is the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game. And then it's across uh, the Spider-Verse movies for me. I love them. All right. I like your list. Our number one and number nine align. All right. Let's go over to Rob's list. Um, I'll just start you off right now. Number nine. Uh, Picard season <laughs> no, three. Oh no, no. Okay, it's a different list. That All would right. be uh, that would be number one. Okay. Uh, Blue Beetle, only because look, I, I'm sure the movie's going to be fine. It's not Ted Court. I love Blue Beetle. It's not the original Blue Beetle. It's not the Blue Beetle I love from Justice League International. And it was going to be a TV movie, so that's number nine. Number eight's Craven the Hunter, only because who knows? It, maybe it'll be good. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, will there be Spider Man in it? I don't know. Number seven's the Marvels. Although, I'm I'm hoping that that Secret Invasion, being that Secret Invasion has the scrolls in it, that the Marvels might tie into that because I think, from what I've read in the scripts, it's it's a really good follow up to Captain Marvel. Secret Invasion is right. So I'm hoping I don't know if they're going to have scrolls at all in the Marvels. So maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But that's something I'm interested in. Um, Shazam: Fury of the Gods, number six. Um, number. Uh, Number five, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Only really? It's, it's, only that it's low. animated. It's not real. How dare you? Wow. I know. That's Get for our out. friend on Twitter. He's going to be like, animation is real. I'm surprised you had it that low. Well, because, you know, as a DC fanboy, you know, uh, number four is Ant-Man. Because I think it's going to be pivotal in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Number three is Guardians. Number two is Aquaman, too, because I love Aquaman. I can't wait for Kingdom or the Lost Kingdom. I can't wait for it. And number one is, of course, the greatest movie of all time, The Flash. <laughs> Batman, Flashpoint, call it what you want. If only because this Flash movie, Bat. we've heard it's so good. Michael Keaton's coming Bat back. Flash. If this does for me what Spider-Man No Way Home did for me with the Spider-Men, I, I think this movie, I think The Flash is going to be something... In in a way, I kind of want it to be the most successful comic book movie of all time, just because. Just because. I really, I can't wait for it, to be honest. But that's my list. 
All right. So once again, it's funny. I think Guardians is the most consistent. Two of us had it at the number three spot. One of us had it at the number four spot. But for me, once again, John's list, Craven the Hunter at number nine, number eight, Blue Beetle, number seven, Aquaman two, number six, Ant-Man three, number five, Shazam, Fear of the Gods, number four, The Marvels, number three, Guardians three, number two, The Flash, and number one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. On Chris's list, number nine, Craven. Number eight, Batman Flashpoint, a.k.a. The Flash. Number Thank seven, you. Blue Beetle. Number six, Aquaman 2. Number five, The Marvels. Number four, Guardians 3. Number three, Ant-Man 3. Number two, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. And number one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And then Rob's list. At number nine, he's got Blue Beetle. At number eight, Craven the Hunter. At number seven, The Marvels. Number six, Shazam 2. Number five, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Number four, Ant-Man 3. Number three, Guardians 3. Number two, Aquaman 2. And number one, The Flash. I just go go around. Uh, Jonathan, let me just ask you quick. What's your most anticipated one out of the uh, out of the nine? Uh, I'm going to go Flashpoint. Flashpoint is your number one. It's yeah. my number two. So, Taylor, what about you? Yeah, For me, it's Ant-Man. I cannot wait. We're so and close. Uh, Ray? Uh, Flash. Flash, so I, I'm surprised how high Flash is ranking for all of us in here. Well, I want to see Keaton, man. Yeah, I think a lot of people want to see Keaton. All right, guys, question is for you. How would you rank in your anticipation list of the big comic book movies coming out in 2023? Whatever your list is, jump down to the comment section below and leave that list there. All right, guys. With all that down, we're going to move now into our main topics here today. But before we get to them, we're going to take just a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of our show. I use them all the time. I love this thing. you got to go check them out. The good folks at Masterclass. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the very top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. And Masterclass is completely accessible on your phone, the web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. They have over 2,500 video lessons from over 180 of today's most brilliant minds. They're all available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Now, obviously around here on the John Campus Show, we love our movies. So why not learn filmmaking from Jodie Foster or maybe directing from Ron Howard himself or the great Neil Gaiman doing his masterclass on the art of storytelling. And you guys have heard me talk about my favorite masterclass, Business Strategy and Leadership by Big Papa Iger himself, Bob Iger, the new and returning CEO of Disney. Guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash campia today. That's masterclass.com slash campia. Terms apply. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campus Show. Guys, remember, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So thank you for that. So go down into the description of this video and you'll find links and promo codes for all of our sponsors of today's show. And thank you again to Masterclass. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our main topics here, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the show? Well, that's easy because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we absolutely need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you'll see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. 
With that down, Chris, where's our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Spencer. Hello there, John and crew. With the success of Avatar The Way of Water at the box office, I couldn't help but wonder what the longevity of the franchise will look like since the sequels are being made and released more frequently than the first two. Similarly, the Star Wars sequel trilogy was massively successful upon The Force Awakens' release, but each sequel earned less than its predecessor. Do you think the Avatar films will follow a similar pattern? Any comments on quality? Thank you and have a wonderful day. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Spencer. So, yeah, we had to wait... What, 13 years? We had to wait 13 years to go from Avatar 1 to Avatar 2. And uh, didn't seem to take any of the momentum out of it because the movie right now is sitting at like $1.93 billion. It's going to probably cross the $2 billion mark. Uh, We'll see. Probably going to climb into the top five of all time. We'll see. But now we're moving into an era where the next Avatar film, if it doesn't get bumped and delayed, it's supposed to come out in two years, December 2024. Will that affect it? Like, will Avatar coming out more frequently have a negative effect? He asks, Spencer is asking, because we saw Star Wars do that, right? We had to wait a long time for Star Wars to come out. Then once we did start coming out every other year, started go back. Well, let's go over to the classroom for a second, take a look at this. So when the first Star Wars, uh, the new Star Wars came out, Force Awakens, made $2.07 billion the box. One of only six films, I think right now five, we're going to have six years soon, films in history to make $2 billion. By the way, Force Awakens is still the all-time record holder for the biggest domestic box office. No other film has ever made as much money uh, in the States as The Force Awakens does, and I don't know that anything's ever going to catch it. And it had a $247 million opening, all right? Now, what's interesting is as we then move on to The Last Jedi, we see some decline, but in one bigger area than another. So The Last Jedi ended up making $1.3 billion, a $700 million dip from the first one. Now, granted, most filmmakers in the world would sell their own mothers to have a film that makes $1.3 billion at the box office. What's really funny about it, though, is that when you look at its opening weekend numbers, it's pretty similar to the opening weekend number of The Force Awakens. It two, so $27 million difference, right? So Force Awakens made 247. The Last Jedi made 220. Not that big of a difference. Certainly not as big of a difference that you'd think it would ultimately equate to a $700 million difference at its final box office. Now that brings us then to the third film, which we see more decline, but even more so in its opening weekend, because when The Rise of Skywalker came out, it made a little bit less than uh, The Last Jedi at 1.07. So about, you know, $2.200 million difference. A lot less of a fall than the $700 million difference. Yeah. But look at its opening weekend number. Had a $43 million drop in its opening number just from The Last Jedi to, to this one. Now, what does this have to do with Avatar? So here's what I think it is. The question Spencer's asking is, Will the fact now that we're going into a pattern of every two years, will we see a decline in Avatar's returns as we did with Star Wars, which followed a similar pattern of release, right? But if you look at these numbers, I don't think the pattern of release had anything to do with the declining numbers of Star Wars. It had to do with the decline in quality. Yep. Because The Force Awakens, I still contend, I'll argue anybody, The Force Awakens is a fantastic film. I love it. 
made $2 billion. People went back to see it again and again and again and again. So then comes The Last Jedi. And look at the opening numbers. They're comparable to The Force Awakens. What wasn't comparable was the quality. Now, I like The Last Jedi, but I have some very well-documented problems with the film. (laughs) And a lot of people did. And so instead of getting people going back again and again and again and again, it didn't happen. You see that in a $700 million drop. Well, when you've got a movie that some people don't like, that's going to affect your opening weekend of the next film. So we go to The Rise of Skywalker. That movie was a bloody mess. All due respect to anybody who liked it. If you like The Rise of Skywalker, that's awesome. I celebrate that. I hated that movie. But you could see now with a really significant drop in the opening weekend box office. And I think that had to do with the divisive nature of The Last Jedi. And of course, The Rise of Skywalker ended up making a cool billion dollars less than the first film in the new franchise. And the, the same culture. director. Uh, and, and the same director. Now, again, we cannot ignore the fact that it was still a billion dollar film which again, most filmmakers and studios would sell their own mothers for to have that. But I think that's it. The point here is that I don't think it's a matter of the intervals of release. It's an interval of the declining quality. Don't bet against James. We can take down the classroom now. Don't bet against James Cameron. Just don't do it. If you haven't learned that lesson by now, uh, go buy stocks and blockbuster. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know what to tell you. If you if you haven't learned that lesson at, at this point. Not financial advice. <laughs> and what we've got now is we've got Avatar The Way of Water, which again, it's all subjective, but to me is a superior film in almost every aspect than the first Avatar. Now, am I saying that I think Avatar 3 will make $2 billion? Not necessarily, but I don't think we're going to get that diminishing returns in quality that's going to lead to a diminished result of the box office. So while it did happen with Star Wars... I don't expect to see it happen with Avatar. Anyway, Rob, uh, you're taking a look at this. A lot of numbers flying around, but what do you think? Well, I will try and refrain from being mean about certain creators and what they've done to two franchises. He made great Star Trek stuff. Oh, no, he did. Uh, And look at the diminishing returns there, similar to what happened if you look at Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Beyond, which he still produced, he didn't direct it, but still. Still made more money than any of the older Star Trek movies. But that's true, but they cost (laughs) cost eight times. He was great in regarding Henry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he wrote that. Um, But here's the thing about um, uh, the Avatar films. Aside from the fact that they're both big franchises that have a space component to them, I don't think they're alike at all. Not at all. And, And I think that the thing about James Cameron is what James Cameron gives you is rousing entertainment in all of his movies, you know, true lies, action, comedy, rousing you, you, that movie's awesome. And, and at its core again, romantic element, a husband and wife trying to connect again. Um, He has a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger is arguing with a horse (laughs) And he makes it work. He, it's he, so fun to watch. And he puts skiing back. I mean, James Bond needs to ski. Please, people, <laughs> put him back on skis. And they have that in, in True Lies. But you can't. James Cameron has a thing. His thing is to provide rousing entertainment that leaves you satisfied when you leave the theater. The Star Wars franchise is a is an abject lesson in not satisfying your audience. I mean, when you when you have three movies, and within the course of those three movies. 
The third one drops a billion. Now, to be fair, Force Awakens is an anomaly because Star Wars, everybody want you brought you brought the main characters back except Luke. You didn't put them together in a scene, but okay. Um, everybody wanted to see Star Wars, so yeah, that, but that domestic- didn't make people go back five, six, seven times. People liking the movie made them go. Yeah, back absolutely, five, six, seven and times. they wanted Star Wars back. That's what they yeah. wanted. But 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 you see the incredible disappointment in a billion dollar difference between. Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. That is not insignificant. There, you that needs to be studied. If if I was someone lost the studio a billion dollars because there's no reason a Star Wars movie should have that. We should go back again and again and again. I've seen the original Star Wars a hundred times and I still don't get tired of it. I never want to see Rise of Skywalker again, and I own it. It's in the Skywalker box that I have on 4K. I will never put that disc ever again in my player ever right. I never- j- j- quick quick point of fact though nobody lost disney a billion dollars because that movie made disney a lot of yeah, money I, made, I just wanted to keep in perspective as much as we hate that movie it's true we got to keep perspective it still did what most movies don't do it made a billion dollars yeah. but the same writer director also there's a billion dollar gap between yes his star wars movies yeah. and i blame that person it's his fault um and and he's gonna end up directing star trek 4 and he shouldn't but whatever um but it's because james cameron he knows how to satisfy. That's the difference. And the Avatar films, he's been thinking about them. This is James Cameron's way of saving the world. You think he's going to make an Avatar movie that isn't great? He's incapable of doing that. Now, there might be things you can argue with, like why is there no mention of unobtainium in Way of Water? Who cares? Who cares? How did they figure out that the goop in the whale's brains could you know, make people live forever? Who cares? I don't care. I mean, it doesn't make, I'll tell you something. It doesn't make any sense. Here's Avatar way of water. When did they discover this about the whales? Because it takes six years to go from earth to Pandora. All right. Now the humans come back a year, a year takes place in way of water. How did they figure out in that year to go whaling, to get the goop out of the brain? And then they figured out it was going to extend the lifespan of humanity. They wouldn't, they have earth. They've never gotten back to Earth and take another six years before they can save people. How do they know this? How do they figure it out, John? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Maybe I should watch it first. Although that makes sense. <laughs> anyway, Chris, uh, what, what do you think about this? Do you think the Avatar franchise could be in line to have the same sort of decline over time that we saw what happened with the Star Wars? Or do you think that's a separate thing? I mean, sure, it's possible, but it comes down to the quality of the scripts, right? It comes down to the storytelling, because that's one of the things with the Star Wars films is because they became very, very polarizing to a lot of people. You know, I'm, I'm a Last Jedi apologist. I really enjoy that one. I know for a lot of people... Y'all don't like that one. Some people out there loved Rise of Skywalker and some people hated it, right? It really comes down to your own personal taste and how these things are done and if they're executed well. So if James Cameron keeps firing on all cylinders, yeah, these could be great and we might not see a huge loss in between them. If people get bored by the concepts, if we run this into the ground, if things just become really redundant or really, really poorly told, then yeah, it's going to lose money. But it all comes down to that. I can't really predict the future of how these movies are going to come, so we have to wait to see how it goes. Yeah, so the bottom line is I I don't really think it has anything to do with the intervals of release. It's not a direct correlation. Yeah, I, I so I think you're going to see Star Wars. Let's go over to me on the shot there, Jonathan. I don't think we're going to see... Uh, that kind of have any impact there at all. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? Do you think we could see a decline in the Avatar popularity as we go as a result of it being released more frequently than it did before? Again, I don't think it's wise to be in the doubting James Cameron business, but whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your 
thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Chris Brickner. Back in December, during an interview with Variety, James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez made a blood oath to make an Alita sequel. After the success of Avatar 2, does this make an Alita sequel more or less likely, as Cameron could use the success of the Avatar films as leverage to get it made? What are your thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Chris. And yeah, listen, the the topic of Alita Battle Angel and the possibility of a sequel has been talked about for a couple of years. Now, James Cameron, Alita Battle Angel was a passion project of his for a very, very long time. And all of us were waiting for James Cameron to announce that he would be directing an Alita Battle Angel movie. That never came. Instead, he was going to produce it, and they got Robert Rodriguez to to do it. Who, Robert Rodriguez, who has made some stinkers, but he's also made some really good films at the same time. Um, so there's that. So, yeah, it's been in the news lately that James Cameron has said out loud that, hey, I want, to, I want them to make another ba- Alita Battle Angel. I want to revisit this. I want to go back to it, even so far as saying that, yeah, that him and Robert Rodriguez made a blood oath to make an Alita Battle Angel 2. Well, that's great, Except James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez aren't the ones who get to decide whether or not they make an Alita Battle Angel 2. Now, look, I thought Alita Battle Angel looked terrible from its first trailer. I started to get more on board with the other trailers that came out. And eventually, when I went to go see the movie, I liked it. I mean, I didn't think it was great, but I liked it. I, I had fun with it. I would, have, I would be one of those people that would be interested in seeing a sequel. Unfortunately, it does not come down to James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez wanting to do it it's going to come down to does the studio believe that such a project will make them money that is worth the investment they're going to have to put into it because here's the reality of the numbers the first elite of battle angel and how many years ago did that come out i can't remember now but that movie cost 170 million dollars yeah. to make 170 million dollars 2019 2019 Really? It was only 2019? It feels like he was in Largo than that. So four years ago. Really? It's got to be older than that. I, know, was, I don't know. This seems fake. <laughs> go to IMDb and look up the release date. Yeah, for it. Like but 10 years old. This seems fake. It so seemed, I feel it. like it was older than that. Yeah. At, at any rate, guys in the live stream, let us know if you guys know the date. That, uh, yeah, that's that, like 2019. All right, 2019. So four years ago. It seems like it was longer than that. So 2019, $170 million. And while it certainly did not tank... It didn't do great. It made $400 million at the box office, 405 to be specific. So not, not an abject failure, did not bomb, did not tank, but maybe broke even, maybe. And so the question Ancillary becomes- Ancillary markets, maybe. Yeah. Do, do the studio's going to ask, okay, do we want to put up because let's face it, another one would probably cost in the 200 to $220 million range to do. By the way, the effects in that movie were shockingly good. Yeah. I, I thought the effects in this movie were really, really quite good. But you know it's minimum going to cost $2, 210 220 230 And so the studio is going to ask, do we believe there is a viable reason to believe that we're going to make significant profit on this? And the reality is, whilst somebody like me who did like the film, do I sense in the fan community at large a real hunger to go back to Alita Battle Angel? Is there 
adequate evidence to suggest that if you put out another one, it'll make more money than the first one. And I don't know that the answer to that question is yes. So quite frankly, James Cameron was already the guy who made the top two box office films of all time at the time with, uh, with Titanic and Avatar. And that didn't help Alita Battle Angel make any more money. So I like to see it. I give it a 30% chance of happening, but I don't know that I would bet a lot of money in it. Anyway, Chris, what do you think here? Number one, would you be interested in seeing another Alita? Did you like the first one or not? And what do you think the chances would be of them doing another one? I thought the first one was so very okay. So very okay. And, and if it is your jam, I'm so happy for you. I thought the aesthetic was really, really cool. I loved how everything looked. I just felt like there were a lot of different ideas in this film that didn't come to full fruition. I don't think the storytelling was all there, too, to get me to really care about the relationships in this film, too. But that's just me personally. So I don't really hear a lot of people clamoring for this. Again, if this is your jam, I'm excited for you. But... I mean, I think this movie clocked in around a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know that critics didn't really love this one either. I don't think James Cameron's success for this film has been, uh, for, for Avatar, has been the linchpin that everyone's waiting on of, okay, now we can make Alita because you proved that you can make a great movie, Jimmy. We all knew that already. He's supported a lot of other films. He's produced things. He's made a lot of bangers. I just don't think this is a movie that a lot of folks really, really want. So, and remember, this is not James Cameron directing. No. Because, you know, look what happened when he just came on board as the producer of that Terminator movie. We got Genesis. <laughs> look what happened. Genesis. I, I mean, so I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I liked it. But Rob, you know, with Robert Rodriguez still on board with it, and who's had some hits and some misses and, and whatever, do you think the big success of, of uh, Avatar The Way of Water right now bolsters the chances of an Alita Battle Angel? What do you think? I don't think it does because movies are taken... Uh, uh, just because Avatar Way of Water made money doesn't mean they're going to greenlight an Alita movie. They have to look at the economics. Uh, uh, every movie is its own business. Do you think that changes if James Cameron goes to them and says, fine, I'll direct it myself? Probably, but I don't think he can. No, because he can't. He's, he's, <laughs> he, but, but here's the thing. I do think that the... Alita's the estimation of Alita, Alita has risen over the last four years since it came out. Alita is one of those movies that I think there's a lot of fan people that didn't see it in the theater have seen it on cable and have seen it streaming. And I think there's more of an audience for it now than there was when it first came out. It's one of those movies like even the Terminator, you know, the Terminator was a $4 million movie. And when they greenlit Terminator two was a hundred, the first hundred million dollar film because Terminator had grown in stature over the people, it's, everybody had seen it on home video and on cable, so it's a thing. I think this movie, if they could bring the price down, if they said, okay, we, we have all these digital assets that we created for the first movie that already exist. We don't have to spend $170 million on it. If they could bring the price down to $125 million, you know, cut $50 million out of that budget, well, then it becomes economically feasible. And if they're talking about making it a streaming movie or even a series, and they could figure out a way, like do it as a six episode limited series or something. The real, it just comes down to economics. But I do think the Alita Battle Angel universe is worth revisiting. And I think that they could make a really great movie out of it. These movies, John, are too expensive. Yeah, they they're all too lot. expensive. And, and the thing is, if you can't cut, if you can't cut your budget from 175 million down to 125 million, you're not doing your job. You've got to figure out a way to do it. Because, and that's what they should learn this lesson for Star Trek. 
You know, they start the Star Trek franchise as a film franchise could be viable if they don't spend 175 to 200 million dollars on a Star Trek movie. Bring it down to 125. And if you can't do that, you don't know how to make movies correctly in this day and age. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think? Now, you got to separate the question of do you want another Alita Battle Angel and do you think it's realistic that they could do one? I'm in the category of I'd like to see another one. I don't know how feasible it is. Uh, maybe it will be if, like Rob said, they can bring the price down. Question is for you. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think James Cameron's success with Avatar The Way of Water is going to influence things? I mean, he wouldn't be directing the new Alita. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move into main topic number three today, shall we? Chris. What is our third main topic today? This one comes from Kent Rice. Hey, John and team. Like you guys, I loved the Batman, but it's almost been a year since the movie Thank came you. out. <laughs> it's almost been a year since the movie came out in theaters, and we still haven't heard anything about a sequel other than it's coming. Today, I read that Reeves is now making an HBO series that he's going to write and direct about Buster Keaton and will star Remy Malek. That's great and everything, but exactly how long are we going to be made to wait for the next Batman movie? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Kent. And um, file this one under things that make me frustrated today. <laughs> you know, Matt Reeves came out as the guy who was going to be doing the Batman movie after the, you know, sad, sad, sad departure of Ben Affleck not directing it. But hey, listen, I mean, I wanted a Ben Affleck directed movie, but if it couldn't be Ben, I was very happy with the Matt Reeves name. I, I, Matt Reeves is a terrific storyteller, terrific director, and he made a fantastic Batman movie. He made yep. a really, that was very unique from any of the other Batmans we've had, created a visceral, wonderful world with Gotham, cannot wait for his Penguin series, all that kind of stuff. But it did leave us with, great, when's the next one? And we haven't heard squat. The movie came out a year ago, and other than at CinemaCon all the way back in April, of 2022 when Matt Reeves came on stage at CinemaCon in Vegas and said, Oh yeah, we're going to do another one. Okay, great. We didn't expect one to come out in theaters this year, but okay. They're going to get movies. We found, heard nothing. We've heard Matt Reeves saying, Oh yeah, I'm working on it. That, that's what we've heard. Well, now it sounds like he's going to write and direct a series that ain't Batman. Uh, in the meantime, this comes to us from Deadline, who writes the following. Deadline hears that Warner Brothers Television is developing a limited series about Buster Keaton that has Oscar and Emmy winner Rami Malek playing the vaudeville-turned-silent-comedy-movie star. Matt Reeves, Sixth and Idaho Productions, Malek and David Weddle are producing, and we understand that the Batman director is set to helm. Three-time Emmy winner Ted Cohen, Friends, Succession, and Veep, is in negotiations to write and serve as an executive producer on the project. James Curtis's Buster Keaton, A Filmmaker's Life, is being eyed, that's a book, by the way, is being eyed as the source material for the series with the negotiations underway by the studio to secure the book. Okay. So there's a couple of different areas of feelings that I have, Rob. Where did they hurt you? Here's, here's where it is for me. On the one hand, a story about Buster Keaton... Um, that's great. I mean, because coming out of the silent era, he's not often talked about as the great filmmakers of all time. Mm -hmm. 
But what he was able to do with silent film was incredible. incredible. And to do a story about that, the addition of an Academy Award winner like Rami Malek, great, fantastic. Matt Reeves doing it, great, fantastic. A limited series that would not be on HBO, by the way, even though it is being produced by Warner Brothers, they would shop, they said they're going to shop it around and someone's going to take it for sure. Let me put on butthurt fanboy hat for a second. Okay, that's great. Where's fucking Batman? Where, where, okay, that's great, Matt, but where's Batman? It's been a year since the last one came out. Now, if they're talking about doing this after he does Batman 2, that's fine. But as the wind blows right now, if, and this is only if because we're only speculating, we don't have any information. This is just me speculating. But if this is something he's giving priority to over the Batman, then they need to get, secure the rights to the book, then get the script written, get everything together. We're talking a year and a half, two year long process. We'd be talking about maybe getting the next Batman movie in 2025 or 2026. In which case, and again, maybe he's prioritizing Batman before. Maybe this Buster Keaton project comes later. And if so, fine. That's great. But if we're talking about not getting another Batman movie till 2025, 2026, then as much as I loved the job that Matt Reeves did on the first Batman, get another director. Hey, I hear Ben Affleck is interested in coming back into the DC fold. Just saying. Just saying. I, I think... That world that Matt Reeves created, Ben Affleck coming into that, not to play Batman, but coming into that world to direct Robert Pattinson, that could be really great. I, I just, so while all the things being equal, I want to see the next Matt Reeves Batman. I don't want to wait four years for it. I don't want to wait four years for it. Again, I, I admit I'm putting on my butthurt fanboy hat, but I don't want to wait that long because I'm sorry, who's asking for a Buster Keaton series? I, I'm looking forward to it now that you mention it, but I mean, come on, get the, I mean, Rob, bring some sanity back to this. I just got my butt hurt fanboy hat on here. But anyway, what do you think about this? Ran story? out of lotion. There's no Batman. <laughs> um, I, I, look, to be honest, John, I wonder if we will get another Matt Reeves Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. I think there's a good chance we won't. And I, I think that because, you know, the Batman was made during when AT&T had Warner Brothers. There's been the changeover now. They're looking for ways to cut budgets. The Batman was an expensive movie to make because they had COVID protocols, so it, it bolstered right. the, the budget. I think it, with this is saying something, that Matt Reeves is now going to take this on and maybe direct. This is obviously a passion project for him. Um, and now with DC in flux we haven't heard what they're going to do other than we're going to talk about something happened that's made somebody happy but i think that there's a good possibility that the batman might wind up being a standalone film because the whatever's going to happen at dc moving forward i know they've said it's not going to happen like matt reeves has said you know it's well, remember last week matt reeves and uh, matt we matt reeves um they oh, matt reeves just said last week that him and james gunn sat down to discuss the future absolutely and, like and and i think that isn't it interesting that this was announced after that meeting 
I mean, I do think that we might not get another Matt Reeves Batman movie. You'd like to think that. And 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 we're going to get it. We're going to get a Batman movie. It just might not be this iteration of Batman. I think. I think you're crazy. I think they're definitely going to do another Batman. I, I just think it's just a matter of they, when. They, they might, I would like to, but even the amount, the amount of money, it was not a billion dollar grosser. No, but it, it was, it, it was it north of 700 million. It was, and, and that's good. But in terms of where Warner Brothers is right now, in terms of their cost cutting, canceling, they want it because whatever whatever Batman movie that they're going to make that's part of this new DC universe mandate, I'm sure the budgets are not going to be as high. They're going to try and keep these down for a price so they can make a franchise. Again, it's going to be cost cutting around the board. I just don't know if this will get made. But that's the thing. The Batman wasn't a cost measure. Batman made them profit. It did make and them profit. And it's not connected to their DCU, so I know. they don't have to worry about but, but, anything like that. But maybe they want to spend that money moving forward with their DC Universe movies. Yeah, I think there's zero chance that they don't do another one. It's just I'm a matter just of who's it's making an alternative. It. Chris, no you're motion, hearing this story. No uh, do you think that the Buster Keaton project would come first? Do you think it would come second? Do you think, like Rob thinks, that maybe they just won't do another Batman movie like, no. that's in that Matt Reeves universe? What do you think? I love you, buddy, but no. I think we're going to get a Matt Reeves Batman. I think that's going to happen. Good things come to those who wait. We all can be a little patient here and get an excellent follow-up film, all right? Because if he rushes this, it could be trash. We want an excellent But Batman I'm not talking film. about rushing. I'm saying, look, it's one thing. Let's say you were going to, because for those of you who don't know, Chris... Chris is a food preparer extraordinaire. Okay. Oh, so let's say Chris was promising to bake me a cake, right? I'm getting all excited. Bake me a cake. Now, it's one thing for you to tell me it's going to take me five hours to bake this cake. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm not going to rush you. But if you tell me, yeah, I'll bake your cake. But first, I'm going to make Ray some cookies, and then I'm going to do this thing for Rob, and then I'm going to make something for Taylor. I mean, that and tracks. And then I'll get to your cake. See, that's not about <laughs> rushing it. That's giving other things priority over your thing. That's fair. I'm sure this is something that is still in that pre-production stage, though, right? We yeah. are still just getting our cast. We are figuring things out. So I think it could happen after. However, this is also going to take a lot less post-production work, too, Right. A Buster Keaton story is not going to be involved in, well, there will be stunts because Buster Keaton did his own stunts as well as other actor stunts too, but it won't be the Batman stunts. It won't be big special effects. He's not going to be, you know, paragliding with bat wings in the Buster Keaton film. Nothing like that's going to happen. Hope. <laughs> but I think this is going to be a really, really cool project. I love the juxtaposition of these two things too, to do something like a follow-up to that Batman that's very like drenched in Nirvana and very angsty, and then to go to a Buster Keaton film, uh, a character, an actor who created so much joy for people, who literally put his body on the line. I mean, Sherlock Jr., he fractured his neck making that because he was so committed to his stunts and to physical work. I think it's going to be an excellent story too, just because you know he was this actor who unlike many other silent film actors, was so excited to move into the talkies. The inability to transition immediately, though, from 1930, like, he had this really, really difficult issue with alcoholism. His wife, Eleanor, picked him up out of that deep, dark place. Then he made the transition into being in talking films through the 1960s. As an actor, that gets me really excited to see those stories. I'm excited about that one. And, and by the way, I often say that I like directors taking the Christopher, you know, they don't have to, but I like directors that take the Christopher Nolan approach, which is he did his Batman, then he went and did another one. Now, so if it was three weeks after the release of the Batman, let's go back in time, and we hear my next quick thing is going to be Buster Douglas, I'd be like, okay, cool, and then come on. But it's been a year, and now we're just hearing about this now. 
and uh, look, I'm I don't know. I, and I'm not saying there's not going to be a Batman. I'm Actually, just saying, you did say that. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying, <laughs> I'm, but I'm saying that I don't think in the near future we're it. going to be getting one, and the possibility exists that we won't get one at all because they're in a big transitional point with these characters. And you know, the Batman could be could exist as a standalone movie unto itself, and it would always go down in history as a great film. You know, I, I think that there's if there wasn't this DC mandate. And James Gunn and Peter Safran were not revamping their whole slate. I would say, of course, there's going to be another Batman. But now things are different. And it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward. All right, guys. Question is for you. I mean, take the Batman out of it. This is an exciting sounding project. Matt Reeves yes. doing a Buster Keaton mm-hmm. uh, limited series with an Academy Award winning actor, Rami Malek. Again, just my butt hurt fanboy hat. That's great, Matt. Where's Batman? I don't know. Guys, whatever you're thinking about this, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. I'll take the butthurt fanboy hat off there for a second. All right. Give us a squeal. With that down. Yeah. <laughs> me, me when I found out that Batman might be delayed some more. Okay, so let's move on now. Everyone wearing headphones. Like, <laughs> oh, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? My Raycons. <laughs> this fourth topic comes from Diego. John and Gru, Jason Momoa posted a video on social media today leaving what I assume is WBDC Studios. In the video, he praises Gunn, Saffron, and Zaslav, hyping up some good news he just got. Now, of course, Aquaman is dropping later this year, but I'm curious what he could be so excited about. I could only assume this means that he's staying on in some capacity in the new DCU, but do you think it's his Aquaman or possibly Lobo? I feel that him staying on as Aquaman would potentially be problematic, so I am leaning to him taking on a new role in the future. Curious about your thoughts on this. Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in. And yeah, listen, I I could not have been more thrilled and more excited when, when James Gunn and Peter Safran. Well, first of all, when uh, David Zaslav said, uh, why doesn't DC have its own studio? <laughs> and he established its own studio and then went out and got James Gunn and Peter Safran. I, I think this was the best news that could have come if you're a DC fan. I think this is going to be incredible moving forward. And it sounds like Jason Momoa is as happy as anybody. Now, we had heard Jason Momoa say a while ago, hey, just had a call with James Gunn and blah, blah, and got some really exciting stuff. We'll talk about it later. Well, I guess James Gunn went from messaging and talking on the phone to going and having a meeting with James Gunn, Peter Safran, and and apparently David Zaslav. And boy, did he come out of that meeting happy. Uh, Actually, let's bring this up, Jonathan, here. So uh, we're going to play this here. I'll I'll talk over it a bit, hopefully to avoid any content stuff. But this is is Jason Momoa coming out of this meeting. Sorry. No, go ahead. There's four years ago, I had the Jeep out front. Yeah, yeah. Four, there he is. Four, no, no, I want you. I four years ago. I was screaming, wasn't I? Yeah. Screaming when I left Warner Brothers. Right? Everyone's in the meeting. That's a happy dude. That's a happy dude. Look at that smile. Four years again. It's a mystery, baby. We got, uh, I got some really good news. Great news with Warner Brothers. Amazing. Um, wish I could tell you, but here it is. Peter, I love you. James, I love you. David. Talk about Peter Saffron, James Gunn, and David. Okay. <laughs> to the future. To the future. Baby! All right. Appreciate me rolling. Look, it's it's very important to point out that he 
this wasn't just a meeting at WB. He specifically put on his little video post DC, right? So, and and he mentions by name James Gunn, Peter Safran. So, right, and Peter did produce both Aquaman movies. Yes, he did. Well, and, and a number of other DC movies. Yeah, yeah, projects. but I mean so, specifically with Jason Momoa. So he comes out of there thanking James Gunn, saying, I love, I love you, James Gunn. Love you, Peter. Love you, David. So that's all great. It's DC. All right. You know, we were talking before, and I think it might have been Jonathan before the show started today. It's like, okay, but I mean, look, that that was a happy looking man. It was. That I don't know if he looked that happy the day his children were born. By the way, I have no idea if he has children, but he does. He does. He does? Okay, there you go. I bet he didn't look that happy. So, because that was a happy, happy guy. So I it might have been Jonathan brought up beforehand. It's like, okay, let's say you just got told. We're going to do Aquaman three and three and four. I mean, he's done a couple of Aquaman movies. Does does James or does Jason Momoa come out of a WB meeting that happy about? Oh, we're going to do a third. I mean, I'm sure he'd be happy, but does he get online screaming and yelling, going, ah! I don't know, like whatever about getting a third movie? I don't know. Now look, the rampant speculation. Of course, is that it's Lobo, which he has said in the past he would like to play. I mean, bring up that website again, Jonathan, because that uh, that that image. I love that image at the top. That's obviously an Aquaman image that somebody did a brilliant Photoshop on. Looks like something Ray would do. Um, that dude was born to play Lobo. Now again, we don't know that it's Lobo or something. So Rob, to me, there's only two explanations. And of course, there could be a thousand we're not thinking of. But to me, two, two are standing out. One is, if it's Aquaman, because I don't believe it's just Aquaman 3. If it is Aquaman, which I don't think it is, but if it is, they just sat down with him and said, all right, uh, I want, like, James and Peter talk to him. It's like, we want to build the entire future of DC around Aquaman. That Aquaman is now going to be the center of, of what we're building our DC universe out as. If that's what they told Jason, I think you could get that kind of reaction, right? However, we've already heard James Gunn say, hey guys, it's Superman and Batman. I mean, these are our central, central figures. So so while I believe if he was told that Aquaman was going to be the center of the DC universe moving forward, I believe it would get give him that kind of a, a reaction. I don't think it's just Aquaman three would give him that reaction. And so I'm left with, I'm left with Lobo. I'm left with Lobo. Um, a character that is very hard to conceive, but if you want to juxtaposition Lobo against a Superman or something like that, you want to talk about somebody who can prove to be a legitimate kind of foil for Superman. Like maybe a black Adam could have been, and we know they're not moving forward with black Adam um, Lobo or maybe another character, whatever. But again, Rob, let me go over to you here. You're a big fan of the Aquaman movie. Love huge the, one. I love I, the first Aquaman Obviously movie. very excited about the second one coming out. You saw the reaction. That's a happy man. Happy man. What do you think DC, James Gunn, Peter Safran told Jason Momoa to have him coming yelling out he loves James Gunn and Peter Safran and screaming and all? What could that be? What do you think he's reacting to? Well, look, I think the last vestiges of Zack Snyder's Snyderverse is going to end with the Flash and Aquaman, the Lost Kingdom. 
right. that that's going to end. Peter Safran's work with Jason Momoa, one, one of the things people forget about is when talent is fun and easy to work with, studios want to continue a relationship with that talent. Jason Momoa, by all accounts, is fun to work with. Uh, making those Aquaman movies was not easy. And Jason Momoa probably was was one of the, when you have somebody who's front and center and those movies take a long time to shoot, I think that Peter Safran as a producer is like, we got to get, Momoa's got to be part of this. And I think that the Lobo, I don't know if they're going to make Lobo, but dude, if I was a betting man, and we are, if we're going to go over or under whether this news is about Lobo, I would say it's over 75%. Because people love Lobo. Jason Momoa was was he was born and bred to play Lobo. There's, I don't think that there's any... I mean, look, come on. That is... <laughs> that's just him. That's Jason that's Momoa. That's Jason Momoa. That's him with insane clown pass. I can't on. imagine. Jason Momoa crossbreeding <laughs> with uh, Rob Zombie a little bit. There. Yeah, I can't imagine a, a an actor playing a comic book character that would be better than this casting. And they know that. And, and Lobo is the kind of character that James Gunn gravitates toward. I mean, plus, Lobo has a really interesting place in the DC universe. He can do a lot of things. You know, he can go with a lot of different characters. He can be on Earth stories. He can be in intergalactic stories. Yes. You can put him in a movie with Batman. You can put him in a movie with Superman. He's a very, very flexible tool. Absolutely. And so what he, what, by, by making, and first of all, you know, by making him that character, you don't necessarily have to spend $300 million making a Lobo movie. Now, a Lobo movie ain't going to be cheap. But again, they're looking to do things. I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant move. And I think that they, they probably told Momoa that this is a versatile character. And we see him being used in multiple other movies in addition to doing your own trilogy of Lobo films. It makes sense. And you know what? That's what made him so happy. He's going to play this iconic character that, in his mind, probably he's going to have more fun than ever. And I think it's, it's a good bet to think that that's exactly what we're going to get. Chris, let me make this statement and tell me what you think about it. Okay. And I am not saying they are identical characters at all, but Lobo could be, when you've looked at the various iterations, Lobo could be DC's Deadpool. I mean, I, I oh, think for in, sure. in a lot of different ways. So let me ask you that, by the way, we need to point out here, we have not heard from anybody, no, no sources, no studios right. telling anybody that he's going to play Lobo. Yeah. This is all fan speculation. But it does it does kind of line up. So, Chris, you know, you see that happy man coming out of that yeah. building. What's he celebrating? He's celebrating being Lobo. He's celebrating being Lobo, which I mean, Rob, I- I'm so excited for you because this could tie in Omega Men. Well, yes, which would be and, rad. And the man who gets <laughs> the man who <laughs> don't send me your scripts, please. That was accurate. Um, the 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 Omega Men which is guardians of the galaxy. I could see mm-hmm. James Gunn directing, you know, maybe not because it's similar to what he's already done, but bringing but that in for boy, sure. what I love to see. It'd the be Omega really, Man. really cool. You could have him be part of the red lantern core because that happens at one point. He crosses over in the comics too, with non DC characters like judge dread. I mean, you can do so much really rad stuff with him. So I think this is, you know, a really, really fun possibility for him because I, I know some people in the chat too. Hey, he should stick to Aquaman. This seems like a downgrade. <laughs> One, being a villain or anti-hero is so fun. It is so great when you get to be a wild character like the main man here. All right. If you are the scourge of the cosmos, you get to play in a much 
more fun sandbox. And I think this is what he's ultimately wanted. Well, you just said something really interesting that like you brought up the Green Lantern Corps Mm -hmm. that if they have plans for the cosmic universe that James Gunn didn't get to do at Marvel. DC has an incredible cosmic universe as well. I mean, you could bring in the Legion of Superheroes. You could bring in the Green Lantern Corps, the Omega Men. There's so many awesome characters that DC has that are cosmic in nature. And Lobo could be the linchpin of all of those characters. Let me throw out a curveball. Okay. If we go back in time, after Jason Momoa was in Bullet to the Head with Sylvester Stallone, and before Ben Affleck was cast as Batman. I had said on my show that this Jason Momoa dude, I think he could be a really good Batman. I, I And this again, this is years ago. Years and years. For those of you who followed me for a really Ooh. long time, going really, really long time ago, I said, this Jason Momoa guy, I just played, he's the bad guy in the new Sylvester Stallone movie, right? He was in, he was also in um, uh, uh, Stargate Atlantis. Is where he got his his start in there, and I said at the time, (laughs) uh, yeah, and I said at the time, I think this guy could be a really good Batman. He's got the square jaw. He would be an incredible, good-looking Bruce Wayne. He's got the physicality. Look, I am again. Nobody's telling me this, but if Jason Momoa just got told he's going to be the new Batman, do you think that would elicit that that kind of reaction coming out of Warner Brothers? Yes, yes, it would. Again, I nobody's saying anything. This is just me throwing that out there that Lobo is probably more likely. I'm just saying if I just got told I was going to be the new Batman, I might be having that reaction too. I don't know. Is like is that like way out there? I you know what? The, now that you said it, now that you put it out there, that's not way out there at all. Cuz well, he was going to play the crow at one point. That's right. You know, yeah. Eric Draven, which They were a- like literally weeks away from shooting that before they pulled the plug on it. I could see that. You know what? Here's here's the the thing is, the casting of Batman and Superman is always going to be met with some kind of backlash. Of course, There's no matter who, nobody it, you, you cast, can cast make everybody. Marlon happy. Brando was cast no, in 1956 okay. to play Batman. People would bitch. Yeah. Um. Uh. But Jason Momoa, that's kind of a slam dunk. No one's going to complain if he plays a new Batman. He's got the voice. He's got the physique. He's, he's got the square features. He's got and I, he's. He's relatively young. Yeah. Now, again, I, I look that up for me, uh, uh, Taylor. How mm-hmm. old is Jason Momoa? Because he's younger than Ben Affleck, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, there's that. But again, it's most likely Lobo, but it could be something. He's 43 say? years old. How old? 43. Okay, so he's younger than Ben. He's uh, I, He could play Batman for a good 10 years. He could, and, and, but if you look at his current casting, what he's gravitating towards lately, though, it's been more fun, wacky, weird kind of stuff. He likes a, a level of flamboyancy that I don't think Bruce true. Wayne yeah. can afford him. He was really good in Slumberland. He's so good in Slumberland. He was really good in Slumberland. Oh, he's a great flip. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think that James Gunn and Peter Safran told uh, Jason Momoa Coming at that made him come out of Warner Brothers, those offices, so freaking happy and excited. Maybe it is just, hey, we're going to do Aquaman 3. Maybe it's Aquaman's going to be the center of the DC Universe moving forward. Maybe it's you're going to be Lobo. Maybe it's you're going to be Batman. Maybe it's you're going to be Superman. Maybe you're going to play Robin. I don't know. What do you think they told him that got him this excited? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. 
I would pay good money to see Jason Momoa as Robin. Anyway, guys, with that down, we're now going to open up the Super Chats and start taking your live comments, theories, questions, opinions, whatever, here on the show. And so we're opening up the Super Chats. Jump on in there and start firing those in. Now, whatever. before we get to those... We are going to take a second here and thank a couple more sponsors of our show today. The great folks over at Rocket Money and Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, when the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. When I started using Rocket Money, I couldn't believe how many things I was still paying for. Anna and I haven't lived in Burbank for almost two years, and I didn't realize I was still paying for a gym membership in Burbank for two years. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on, or that free trial that you never even used, or like me, a gym membership in Burbank. Simply find the subscriptions you don't want and press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com campia. That's rocketmoney.com campia. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save money this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, I have told you before that when I was on one of the major phone carriers, I was spending literally three times as much every month and switching to Mint Mobile couldn't have been easier. So for people just looking to save some extra money this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in just minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money and Mint Mobile, my mobile service provider, for being sponsors of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on over to your super chats you guys have been sending in. Chris, what do we got up here first? All right, from Sam Fisher. I love how in The Glass Onion, the override button was a fool on a hill because that's what the killer is, a fool on a hill. I don't know what we can, I, I mean, we can't discuss technicality. Make sure you turn off the super chats They're there. Um, I don't think we can go into details so or, or dissect what it is you just said at all because we don't want to give any spoilers away, but... Interesting observation. I All think right. that is an interesting. What's mm -hmm. next? From Dumbrodore, it sucked. Uh, it sucked if the Buster. Okay, hold, Keaton... I gotta ask. Are you sure they're off? Because yeah, they're it, off on my end. It does not look like they're off. Oh. I'll refresh uh, it. Jonathan, can you double check because I they are still coming in. Yeah. We're at three hundred now. So, uh, Jonathan, get in there and take a look quick. All right, let's see what's next. From Dumbrodore, it sucked if the Buster Keaton miniseries distracted Matt Reeves from working on the Batman sequel. I guess for Reeves, there's something in the way. 
Yeah, I mean, Nirvana. There's something in the way. Okay, now it's turned off on my end. All right. I don't know what that means. Isn't that a reference to the Nirvana song they keep using or one of the songs that they use in the movie? Yeah, the song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, whatever. Clever. Clever. What's what's next? From Dumbledore again. The Batman came out in March 2022. Gotham Knights is coming out in March 2023. Amazing how the Batman franchise can potentially go south in a year. (laughs) LOL. Uh, I I just got to believe that show ain't coming out. I got to believe they got to pull the plug on that. Look, look, for all I know, it's going to be awesome, right? For all we know, maybe this Gotham Knights show is going to be the best thing since Supernatural. I mean, it does have Misha Collins in Yeah. Look, I'm not is saying. It, is it though? Is it though? Does it hurt? Does yeah, it hurt? Yeah, probably not. All right, what's next? From, uh, from a Sith Lord. Whatever they told him, I don't care. Ooh, I'm loving his energy and for the future of DC Studios. Finally, the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. <laughs> I'm so ready. Yeah, look, I, I, bet, I said it from day one. James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over DC is the best thing that could have happened. There are DC fans who didn't understand that and didn't realize it. But I wonder if now seeing guys like Jason Momoa and, and others getting excited. Listen, I think the future is brighter for DC today than it has ever been. Uh, I, I Look, DC has had some great success. I've liked almost every DC movie with the exception of like Birds of Prey or whatever. I've liked every DC movie that's come out, but I think the future right now is far brighter. You got the guy that Kevin Feige kind of anointed as his main lieutenant in James Gunn to look after entire sections of the MCU before things fell apart there. The guy who made Guardians and the made one of the best DC movies with Suicide Squad made the best DC television show ever, I think, in Peacemaker. And now this guy's running. I'm telling you what, there's a reason James or Jason is so excited. And I think the whole future is going to be that way. We'll find out, though. It's it's easy to get excited till the first movie comes out and it's crappy. But for now, I remain optimistic. All right, what's next? From D. Wild, could the additional sharing fee for Netflix backfire by two full account holders deciding to share one account at a cheaper price? I don't think they're going to be able to do that. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I, that's that's the whole point is that they have set up new system where you're not going to be able to just have it in different locations. So I if that was the case, then they wouldn't then you they could just keep things the way they are now. But I don't think it's going to work out that way. All right. What's next? From Jedediah Elias, finally getting to rewatch Everything Everywhere all at once in theaters this weekend. Nice. Missed it last time, plus missing You People and Last of Us Episode 2. Going to be a good weekend. Wait, well, You People starts this weekend? Yeah, it's on, uh, it's Netflix, Netflix. right? It's, I can't wait to, that's the Eddie Murphy. Yes, uh, yeah. Jonah Hill one. Jonah yeah. Hill who co-wrote the script. That movie looks hilarious. I know you didn't think it looked as hilarious as I do, but. I think it looks like it's got potential. I hope I think it's it lo- good. I think it looks like the. I didn't think the trailer itself was that hilarious, but it looks like the movie could be that hilarious. So, but I, I mean, for me, it's all about the Last of Us episode. Right. Two. I, I mean, got, we got some good stuff, man. Yeah, I got some good stuff coming. Mm. All right, what's next? From Alex Mata, first three episodes of Vox Machina were awesome. So excited for the rest of the season. Didn't get to see it because Ann and I went out last night. And, uh, for Ann and I uh, had to go out last night. Did not get a chance to see it. I'm definitely going to sit down and watch it either tonight or this weekend. I was I didn't even know that they dropped the first three episodes, which I should have known they did because they did that with season one. Very excited about it. Can't wait to watch it. All right, what's next? From Marcus Penner, 
Batman 2 doesn't get made. Can't run two Batman. You risk fatigue with two trilogies that limit each other creatively and one poor Batman film affecting the others on alternate release. No, nope, that's that's simply not true. I mean, we've we've kind of seen it played out. It really wouldn't matter or affect anything like that at all. We've seen certain things go south on TV, didn't affect the movies. We see things go south in one medium or the other. It really wouldn't. Listen, the general movie going audience is not as dumb as we think, that, as, as a lot of people think they are, right? There is no confusion. There's, there's no confusion. There might be a moment of, wait a minute, that guy's Batman? There, there might be a moment of confusion, but a fourth grader explaining, yeah, that's a different thing. This is a, a different, it's, it's settled it. I know a lot of people thinking, how are they going to do a separate Joker movie? And, and, and they did, and it was fine, and nobody lost anything. So yeah, they absolutely can. It's not going to be an issue. Obviously, you want quality. Quality is ultimately the bottom line. But if, if like, the DCU Batman shits the bed. It's not going to affect the Matt Reeves universe Batman at all. Like it, it really won't. So I, I don't think there's going to be a problem with that. All right. What's next? From Stubble McShave. Love the new Vox Machina episodes one through three. Did you see them? Again, not yet, but I'm going to this weekend. All right. What's next? From Suthius. Finally watched Knives Out and Glass Onion. Enjoyed both very much. And Blanc is my new favorite character. Looking forward to third movie, Wooden Pumpkin. I, I'll tell you what. I... He Ryan Johnson now has that new series, Poker Face, which I saw Variety describe as kind of a, a new Glass Onion story or a new Knives Out story every week because it's like an anthology mystery thing or crime solving thing. And it's like, I'll tell you what, I would watch a Benoit Blanc series. I would totally oh. watch a Benoit Blanc series. I love this character. I love these movies so far. I could watch them every week. All right, what's next? From Johnny Weiner, I do believe video game movies could uh, faithfully, uh, faithful, faithfully adapt to the source material. Last of Us proves this, but I think why a lot of them have been failing is they're designed for gameplay, not storytelling. And again, certain games like Last of Us lend themselves to having a more faithful telling of it. Many other games don't. You know, we were talking about this the other day, Rob, that a lot of other games, you can't just do a faithful adaptation of it because that won't translate as well. Some stories in certain video games require less adaptation. Some require more. I, I, how do you see that? Well, yeah. I, I mean, the thing about The Last of Us, the game itself, we talked about this the other day, is that the gameplay and the character, the storytelling was were essential components together. Right. Like they really went out of their way to... And, and the gameplay itself uh, extended it was very much part of that story. So it, it, it's unique. I mean, there's a reason why it, it holds the place that it holds in, in the hearts of gamers and why it won all the awards that it did and why it got all the acclaim that it did. Because by design, it was unique. And not a lot of video games have that that synergy. So I think it is harder to to adapt video games because like you've said many times, it's about the gameplay. You know, and it's hard to make a, a a good video game that's also a compelling story. I mean, there's lots of video games I like that have good stories like Mass Effect, you know, or something. They're cool sci-fi stories, but could you make them into a TV series? Look at Halo. I mean, Halo's got cool stuff in it, but they really took liberties with the lore and the characters and what was going on. Um, because And they, it wasn't as faithful as it could be. Now, I still thought it was kind of cool. I, I, I know it's not popular to say I kind of enjoyed Halo. Yeah. I did, yeah. I mean I did too, but because that's because I'm not I don't I haven't I'm not the gamer that that is is has played every iteration of, of Halo. But I think it's hard still. It's gonna be hard to do faithful video game adaptations because they're not 
first and foremost, the stories. They're the gameplay. All right, what's next? From Bobby Jackson. Well, John, I asked the question weeks ago, and now I have my answer. Looks as though there will be a John Williams documentary, and yep. it'll be directed by none other than Steven Spielberg, as it should be. Uh, by the way, the official report does not say Steven Spielberg is directing it. Uh, we took a quick look at the report. We're going to talk about it on Monday. We decided, because it came in so late, we decided we're going to talk about this on Monday. But the first thing we looked for in the report was, does it say whether Spielberg is, it says Spe Spielberg is spearheading it. It did not specifically say he's directing it. So we'll see, but we'll talk about it more on Monday. And I'm very excited to hear the news. All right, what's next? From Darth Grant, the top 10 movies in history could all be $2 billion movies by, time, by the time Avengers Secret Wars comes out. That's a crazy thought. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got um, we got another Avatar movie coming out in 2024. We've got, we'll then have Avengers uh, Kang Dynasty and Avengers um, Secret Wars. I'll be interested to see how these Avengers movies do. Because Avengers Infinity War and Endgame were the climax of an insanely high quality and highly popular MCU franchise up to that point. MCU is not what it used to be right now. So it's going to be interesting to see. Look, am I saying they can't be $2 billion films? Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's going to be really interesting to see how they're able to, as we get through phase five here, uh, if they're able to build that back up. All right, what's next? From In My Humble Reviews, me. I think Rob is right. Can't be it. All right, what's next? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Darth Grant again, after the multiverse uh, saga, where does MCU go in terms of stakes? Do we go back to smaller scale Loki Ultron threats? I would actually like that. No, they're they're. Uh, I mean, look, we even saw in Ms. Marvel, as much as I loved Ms. Marvel, even in Ms. Marvel, they couldn't resist the thing of all of reality is at stake. Right. Every that's the one thing that they have got to learn to go back to what they were doing in phases one, two, and three, where every once in a while you got to change gears because it feels like even in Spider-Man No Way Home, it's like all of what we know is going to be overwritten. It's like every single time. It's like all of existence, all of the world, all of the universe. And like even in the, the trailer for Ant-Man, we hear Kang saying, all that you call life will come to an end. Oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's there's nowhere else to go with stakes. There's nowhere else to go. They got to start changing gears a bit. Uh, also, the, who are they fighting in Secret Wars? Like, you know, who's where's the conflict? There's no Doctor Doom yet. There's no Beyonder. There's no like what what's going to happen? Like like and, and we've got the Kang Dynasty. Is that gonna, is Kang just going to be? Once you've made a movie called Kang Dynasty, if the if the dynasty is established at the end of that movie. And then you go into Secret Wars. I don't understand who they're going to fight and how many people are going to. I think the Kang Dynasty is destroyed by the end of that movie. Is it? Probably. And uh, then you go. I and mean, then you go knows? to Secret Wars. I mean, I just don't think that Marvel Universe right now has enough going on. I'm like, what? How do you like follow it up? Like you said, with Infinity War and Endgame, those movies were huge. The stakes were huge. The villain was Thanos, larger than life. Right now, what's going on in them? There's, we don't even know what the Avengers team is. Who's in the Avengers? All right. What's what next? The on the lunchbox. Why is the Avengers? <laughs> Why is the Avengers? From Brandon Nismadine, I think James and Peter told Momoa they want to transfer his casting as Aquaman to the new DCU in a rebooted Aquaman franchise. I can't see them doing that. If you're going to reboot, then you reboot. Yep. I don't think you reboot and then bring in the same. Like, if you want to talk about things that will cause confusion with the audience, that would cause confusion with the audience. But I listen, though. I ain't going to say it's outside the realm of possibility. The way James Gunn's mind works... 
who knows what wild machinations he can come up with. So, but I, it seems very unlikely to me. And again, he's already been playing Aquaman. Would he really be that excited? It's just about, so I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. Cool. I, I don't know. I don't see it, but it's possible. Never know. All right. What's next? From Mike Dude. Over under 25%, Stephen Amell is in at least one other episode after episode nine of the final season of The Flash. Maybe the finale? Um, zero. They've already said he's in one episode. Um, so I don't think there's any chance of him popping up again. Which, I mean, hey, it's at least nice that he's getting one more kind of uh, appearance to kind of say goodbye. Because, you know, it was well publicized that he wasn't all that happy with the way his character went out before. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to see him in anything other than that one episode. But still great that he gets the one episode, so that's good. All right, what's next? I spilled my water bottle. Bummer <laughs> upon me. Uh, Jasmine Jones, thank you, Taylor. Looks like Agatha Coven of Chaos has started filming and Cobra Kai is coming to an end with sixth season. Hopefully it ends on a high note. Yeah, I heard Agatha, I thought I heard it starting to shoot this month. Maybe it's already gone in production. They did make an announcement um, earlier today about Cobra Kai season six. We didn't cover it because who cares? Um <laughs> I know a lot of people care about it. I, I, the reason we didn't cover it is because like they made the big announcement, Cobra Kai season six coming. It's like, didn't, didn't we talk on the show like six months ago that they've officially said Cobra Kai season six was going to be the final. I, anyway, that's why we didn't cover it. Um, but yeah, a lot of things happening. A lot of things happening right now. All right. What's next? From Bruce Lum, sending in a $22 super chat. Oh, thank, thank you, Bruce. Bruce. Uh, for those characters who die in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, what are the chances that those actors would move over to DC Studios, especially because of their relationship with James Gunn? Uh, look, I I take issue with this idea of moving over to. Yeah. There is this weird perception that fans have that, oh, if you are at DC... You must leave DC in order to be in a Marvel film. Yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> that that that's that's not true at all. I mean, we had Lawrence Fishburne appearing in both franchises at the same time, right? I mean, one does not need to leave. Listen, there was no reason that two years ago Chris Pratt couldn't be in a DC movie while they're getting ready to shoot Guardians of the Galaxy 3. What are the chances that we do see later on that? any of these actors pop up in a DC movie. Well, yeah, a lot of them have a really great relationship with James Gunn. James Gunn considers the cast of guardians, his family family. Um, Meanwhile, so <laughs> at the house of family. So I, I mean, yeah, we could absolutely, but it has nothing to do with now that guess what? The surviving members of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 could easily pop up in a DC project. It's not anything about leaving one or going over to the other. Uh, if you if you were given the choice of who do you think would be the first? If actors do, if James Gunn does hire one of his Guardians team to be in a DC movie, who do you think that first actor would be? Dave Batista. I think Dave Batista and then Chris Pratt. So I think Palm Clement Palm Clementine, she's would, terrific, yeah. Because she she's also the least recognizable. Take, yeah. I sat beside her. I literally sat right next to her at the uh what which one was it? I think it was at the Black Panther premiere. Uh I sat right beside her and I didn't know who it was at first until I heard somebody, it might have been Donald Glover, say Palm. And then I was like, 
Oh my God, that's Palm Clemente. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, totally unrecognizable. But I mean, Dave Batista has been so loyal to James Gunn, and he's already been in two Warner Brothers movies, Dune yep. and uh, Blade Runner. Um, and but then and then Pratt. I mean, James Gunn is a huge Chris Pratt fan, and they have been, they are like family. So, I, but I think my firstborn would probably be James. But Palm's a good pick too. Chris Pratt as Booster Gold. Oh, I'd love that. I could see that. All right, what's next? From JCSC, if Momoa is playing Lobo, he'll be a secondary character for a while. They aren't making a Lobo movie anytime soon. Wide audiences don't know Lobo. When does that ever matter to James Gunn? <laughs> when well, is that Starro as the villain? When is that ever man? He made an HBO series called Peacemaker <laughs> with, and you say, well, he was already in Suicide Squad. Yeah, a Suicide Squad movie nobody saw. <laughs> I, again, so I, so you are right. You are right that. The, the general average movie going on is, has no idea who Lobo is. You're 100% right. And were it anybody else, I would say, yeah, but but this is James Gunn. James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy, which today is, well, they're a very popular movie. For, nobody, even some comic book fans, had no idea who Guardians of the Galaxy were when he did that. The characters he lined up, to put in his Suicide Squad, Polka Dot Man, and then Mickey. I, I got I, one for you. What's that? Since Jason Momoa came out of that meeting very happy, over or under 50% James Gunn directs a Lobo movie? Under. I think if he's going to, because remember, he's running the studio now. I know. And he will direct something, but I, I think if he's going to direct something, I you and I talked about this, and I think we agree, it's probably going to be that Superman movie. Yes. To kind of set the stage for the for the new DC, but and if James Gunn doesn't direct Lobo, who directs the Lobo movie? Fede Alvarez. Ooh, that's interesting. He's doing Alien for yeah. Fox right now. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that, we, we got time. Century got time, got time. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth, rewatched the OG Scooby Doo and was wondering, Chris, if you've created your own laugh yet for a character like Don Messick did for Space Kook and uh, Muttley. Oh, the little. Oh, I remember Muttley. Well, you you do a laugh for every single character. Every time you come up with a new character for animation, you have to run through all of their kind of non uh, non spoken but verbal or vocalized reactions. So you have to figure out how their eye rolls sound, how their laughs sound. Um, Shrugs, that sort of thing. So you have to do that. I haven't had like an iconic one, obviously. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's next? Um, From Will Lambert. If Dune and Avatar 2 were released in the same year, who would win the VFX Oscar? Oscar. Wow. Oscar. Both were are considered locks. I think Avatar, more groundbreaking. Yeah, Avatar. I got to give it to Avatar 2. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I think Dune, there's an argument to be made that Dune has the greatest special effects in terms of a space movie or something ever done, but Avatar, the underwater stuff, come on. Yeah, it was crazy. And it's all They're CG in a tank. characters. And yeah, it's all, insane. And I mean, but I'll tell you what, I don't know that I've ever felt as immersed as far as photorealism as I just remember watching Dune on that big screen and going, everything about this feels real. Yep. Everything feels real. I don't even know real. how, like, I wouldn't even know how to explain it. Like, if I was directing a movie and I said, listen, I want it to look like Dune. I don't even have the words to say uh, other than that you have to just make it look photoreal. Uh, it, it, I've watched that movie. I'm obsessed with that movie. 
And and I keep looking for places. Yeah, we just it looks everything about it looks so good. <laughs> Joey Boboy in the live chat saying, "Wait, Dune wasn't real." I mean, but that that's how it, it, incredible it looks. It's incredible. Oh, all right, what's next? From Peter Cunnington, Cobra Kai announced final season with season six. Yep. Again, I, I, it was confusing to me because they they said that six months ago that Cobra Kai will conclude with season six. I I, I guess now they just. Made it official, but I thought it was official. All right. All right. What's next? From David Sock and Lotion. Running out of lotion? <laughs> how terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, how else are you supposed to stay smooth? Right? You got to, you got to, you want to, you want to have, stay well moisturized. No one wants a crusty elbow. Nobody wants crusty elbows. No. There's Chris Carr's shirt. Wow. <laughs> The OK I, channel. I know it's a younger Blue Beetle we're dealing with, but over <laughs> under Booster Gold showing up in the new movie. Over under what? Yeah. Uh, in what Never. new movie? Sorry. What's the new Blue Beetle, oh, the Blue Beetle movie? movie? I'm going to say under. Under what, though? He didn't give us a number. Under anything. <laughs> under, yeah, <laughs> under everything. Yeah. I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll assume by not giving a number, we'll say 50 50. I'll, I'll go under. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's unlikely. Maybe they could drop some Easter eggs that might build up to something later, though. But he's not the Blue Beetle. Yeah, that... see, it's it's not. Jaime isn't the one that's known to be yeah, he's the not, one that he's hangs out with Booster Gold. Gold's buddy. Yeah, that's Ted Cord. It's Ted Cord, man. All right, what's next? From Vixter5001, great to hear we're getting seasons three and four of Slow Horses. Also, in our Aragorn is on pre-order, guys. Oh, I know. And you can get free shipping if you order from Toys Wonderland. That's not an endorsement. I'm just is saying you in can. art uh, Hot Toys competitor. In art, yes, they're the new. They're more than Hot Toys. Oh, they're, they're, wow. yes, they're they they're first releasing the Heath Ledger Joker, and it's got rooted hair and it's insane. They're putting out Gandalf. They're putting out uh, uh, Twilight Boy Batman in both Batman and Bruce Wayne guises, and they're putting out. They just announced Aragorn, and it's insane how do they compare price-wise they're a couple hundred bucks more well the more exp- they were looking three to five hundred dollars are they sixth or quarter in scale? sixth really and they're more expensive than hot toys all but, right but worth it okay all right what's next from lego dude 11 john did you see the new invincible three trailer um it wasn't a trailer it was so they put out an it's 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 an announcement piece right oh. It's uh, Invincible. I forget the name of the one-eyed alien. Season two, though, right? Do we? What's see- that? I said season two trailer, though. Yeah, I meant season two. Okay, I just want to um, double check from that it, post. And, and the the one that uh, Seth Rogen does the voice of. We're basically so. When's the new season of Invincible coming? All right, all right, it's coming late twenty. So it wasn't really a trailer per se, as it was a little fun announcement thing saying Invincible coming late. And they didn't even give a specific date. They said late twenty twenty three. So looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really a trailer. All right. What's next from Mr. Holdbrook. Alan, the alien. Thank you. Ryan Markley in the live chat. Appreciate that. Mr. Holdbrook, Rob, I was wondering if you saw the film Skinamarink and wanted your thoughts. If you saw it, I have not. I was just talking with Taylor about that. I I'm dying to see this movie after reading about it. Um, Taylor, you just said you got your tickets, right? Yeah, I have my tickets for tomorrow at 420. 420. <laughs> right uh, I, I, I really want to see it. But I I uh, haven't yet. Maybe this weekend. But it's not playing around here. I don't think. What's uh, well? No, like, it's playing at the Burbank 16. Yeah, that's but that's a long drive for me. Yeah. All right. What's next? From uh, Elizabeth Harado. With the success of Top Gun Two, do you think Mission Impossible might make more money? I hope it does. I love this franchise. I, I mean, make more money 
than what? Make more money than Top Gun 2? No, it's not going to make more money but than But more Top money Gun than the last Mission Impossible. How much did the last Mission Impossible make, Taylor, if like you want to look that up? What was the last one? Do you guys know? Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout. I think was the last one. So I mean, I think I think this Mission Impossible could get close to a billion dollars if it's good. Just because Tom Cruise back in the zeitgeist and, and that we've seen. I, I mean, I love these movies and they just keep getting better. So worldwide, Mission Impossible Fallout made $791 million. I could see going north of that. Yep. Yeah, I could see it going north of that. If, again, like you said, though, Rob, it's all about is it good or not. Yeah, so, yeah. Find out. All right, what's next? It looks good. From, uh, oh. Scroll down a bit. There we go. From Beak Hill Studios, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you. I'm super excited for Sunday as I'm going back into filming my 11th film in my 28 years on Earth. And <laughs> it's the second film in my trilogy. Uh, their trilogy is the Sparrowverse. Uh, excited to be back and play with new gear. I got over break. The film is called Nightwolf. Thank you. Now, look, I, I do want to say, guys, please don't use our super chats as a way to market your stuff. But that is exciting. I'm it being, is exciting. Being able to get involved. Like, I always and you sent a $20 super chat. Yes. And I encourage our... That, that doesn't matter. Like, please don't use our super chats to just send in self-promotion. Right. But I'm always encouraging people to, like, I think all film fans should get involved in, I think every film fan should make their own movie. I do too. And I don't mean you have to go out and get a $5,000 camera. Take your phone, point it at a couple of friends, say action, 60 minutes later, say cut, turn it off. I mean, I, I think it just makes you more engaged in filmmaking. And the fact that you're doing that is super excited and I'm really glad for you, man. All right, what's next? From Tevin Como, will you guys be doing your predictions on what will be nominated for Oscars? Will Top Gun take it? Will Angela as well? Uh, yeah, Monday, because I think that the nominations come out on Tuesday. So I think on Monday we will give our final predictions. Uh, Top Gun, spoiler, will be one of the films that gets nominated for Best Picture. I do not think it'll win Best Picture. No. But it will. I believe it will get nominated. Angela Bassett, I mean, yeah, she's definitely going to be nominated. 90% chance she's going to win. But yeah, Monday we will give our full predictions on at least of the major categories of what we think are going to get the Oscar nominations that get announced on Tuesday. Mm. All right, what's next? From Red Arrow 1316, over under 40%, General Ross shows up in Secret Invasion. Um, we're not going to say anything. Yeah. We're not going to say anything. Uh, it's unfair for us to give any sort of impression on something that we already know. So... Uh, we'll let the rest of the viewers uh, discuss amongst yourselves whether you think that's going to happen. All right, what's next? From Alex Mata, also sad to hear about Regal and my home theater unfortunately made the list. Oh, Yeah, man. it, it always sucks, especially when it's a theater you like to go to. Like, I, I still, when they shot shut down, I don't live close to it anymore, but I really like the Arclight Hollywood, man. I really like that theater. Dude. It's my, it was my home theater. Yeah, it, it it sucks because that's you spend so much of your time there. You you develop because look, I always say movies are experiential events, right? And so when we go into the movies, like we it develops memories and we have memories in that place and we have a joy there and excitement there. Also, the bar that was there, the bar I, was there. Was I great. would go to the yeah. bar just to hang out because I'd run into people. It was a great place because I knew that people, every, people I knew around the city from all different walks of life, I would see there because everyone in the industry went to that theater. And now it's gone. All right, guys, listen, we have run out of time here for today's show. But for everybody who sent in Super Chats, do not worry. We've got an open mic coming a little bit later today. And we will start off that open mic by finishing off with the questions that you guys have already sent in here. So we will get to those a little bit later this afternoon. Make sure you come back and join us for that. But for now... 
That'll do it for today's installment of The John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved here with the show. Thank you guys so very much for that support. So for everybody in the room with us, Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Orr has been back there. We've got Taylor Gonzalez and, of course, running the show, Jonathan Voico and the delightful Chris Carr. And most importantly, you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Make the show part of your day. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, lotion. <laughs>